Get your clothes hit the floor. We ain't talk all day, but I know what you came here for. Hi everyone, welcome to the eSpot with Camille. I'm your host, Camille Cower, and today we're doing a very special two o'clock with Dr. Tiffany Zachary, who is a mental health professional who's gonna help us all through this very difficult time and just try to help us navigate all the different emotions we're going through, maybe help our partner, help our children with the different things they're going through. I know that today is Blackout Tuesday and we felt it was more important to have this conversation than to not. So we're continuing the conversation and I hope you'll join us and feel free to comment, share, like, and if you have any questions, this is for you. So this is your open safe space where we can discuss and chat. And if you have questions or concerns or just want to talk about the different things that are going on right now, let's do it here with a professional that can help us kind of navigate what we're feeling. So without further ado, I am bringing in my good new friend, Dr. Tiffany Zachary to share all of our great expertise. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I no hope problem. you are doing well. <laughs> I'm doing well. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Oh, it's definitely my pleasure. I want to go ahead and introduce your, um, have you introduce yourself too, so people know a little bit about your background and your expertise, so they know what different areas that they can ask you questions about as well. So okay, um, like you said, my name is Dr. Tiffany Zachary. I have my private practice here in Louisiana, where I do one-to-one -one therapy with entrepreneurs, individuals in corporate America, as well as college students. I'm also an achievement accountability coach to that same population. Um, I have my PhD in higher ed leadership and research, so I'm very keen on mental illness in the college student population. Um, I'm also an author and speaker, so anything related to mental health or higher ed, I'm your go-to person. Oh, fantastic. So let's start there until I get any questions coming in. I'm curious, how did you get, how did you decide to focus more with college students? What are some of the elements that you just noticed that that area needed a need specifically just for college students? So that was not planned. I ended up working with college students. Um, prior to that, I was working at addictions facilities for teenagers. Um, and then I got burnt out and I had an opportunity to do similar work at a university. So that's how I got within that population. And as I worked there for about two years, I enjoyed it. I had an opportunity to get a PhD for free through the university. Um, so I went to LSU. And I wanted to focus on something within mental health, but not social work because I'm already clinical. You can't go higher than that. So I chose to do that populate work with that population because I had seen so much that I did not know. And I want to make a difference on a policy level, a research level. So getting a PhD was ultimately to get me to the Department of Education. So that's how that came about. <laughs> Now I have a question for you because there are so many students who just recently graduated, mm -hmm. whether it's from college or from um, high school and are getting ready to make that next step. What is some of the advice you would give them for maybe having a lot of anxiety about entering the workforce or starting a new school? I mean, I'm assuming that's kind of where that would start for people right now that are in that demographic and even for parents who are just really scared about letting their baby go mm -hmm. off the school, especially considering what's going on with COVID-19. I don't know for sure what the plans are for school in the fall, but I've seen some talks or rumbling since I live in a very college town that mm -hmm. they're planning on opening in August. So what, what kind of things would you suggest for people who are overwhelmed or scared of letting their baby go off to college with COVID-19 being an issue and now with all the protests possibly being a problem as well. Well, I'll have the opportunity to be a professor this semester and um, being a counselor with that population, I would say, let your baby go. They have to learn to be adults. That's why they have professionals such as myself. So one, make sure that your, um, your baby, your child knows who their department heads are, know their deans and things like that so they can get everything in place. Make sure that they find a key person in their department that they can go to for support because that's where everything lies. Um, make sure that they are keen on their financial aid, admissions process, stay up to date on deadlines because things are changing due to COVID. They're saying we're going back in, but you don't know, they may have a second wave of COVID due to the fall coming in and things may change. So stay abreast of that. 
in regard to what's going on with all of the riots and things like that, I would say don't be alarmed. Colleges have policies into place. I've actually gotten some emails from um, my past university, what they are trying to do to make sure that the students are safe and they're still having meetings as of now to decide how they're going to go about with allowing the students back on campus, maybe hybrid or 100% back on campus. So okay. you have every right to be concerned. Um, I've been, I've worked at PWIs and I have seen what climates like this can turn into because we all have a right to our own voice and um, how we feel about different situations. So just make sure that your your teenager, your adult now, is uh, mindful that they respect others' views and don't get too consumed in things that they don't have control over because that could affect them getting kicked out of the university um, depending on that university's policies and procedures and affect their career in the long run. So just have those conversations with them by any means, voice your opinions, you know, join the groups that you need to on campus because they have them and then go from there. Just be mindful of the way that they speak and react to things that may come upon them. Okay. Um, now I have a question that just came through from Olivia Gatewood, how does one keep from being overwhelmed during these days? That's a good question. Um, I had to ask myself that. <laughs> Definitely don't drink a lot of wine. A lot of people <laughs> drink a lot of wine. You know, the doctor yeah. said good, red wine is good for you on a daily basis. So I, I'm still, the research is still out on that. But um, I'll tell everybody to make sure that you, what's the word, modify your time schedule. A lot mm. of us don't have the same time management because we're working from home. We're teaching our children from home. Our spouses are home now. So we have different dynamics. So make sure throughout the day you have a buffer. I had to go and redo my whole entire schedule because I'm booked until August. And mm. it took my biller to come through and say, I don't see how you don't burn out. Because I'm going in from when I finish this, I have a session like two o'clock mm. on the dot. And then I have another session. So I had to make sure I had a buffer to even take some deep breaths, use the bathroom, get some water, make sure you take your lunch breaks, like do what you need for yourself throughout the day for self-care. At the end of the day, take a bubble bath, go exercise, yoga, something that calms you down. Even if you have to sit in your car for 10 minutes away from your children, it's okay to have that me time just to like have some woo-saw and get yourself together. Because I know once you walk in that house, it's mayhem. Everybody needs mama. Nobody knows daddy all of a sudden. So just make sure you have some self-care. That's a very good point. Because I, my husband has gotten on me about this, where he's like, when do you ever sleep? Because I'm staying up so much later because during the day, I have so much I have to do, so much I have to accomplish. And I have to have multiple hats on, whether I'm helping my daughter, doing my show, or being a wife. And, you know, like there's so many different hats mm -hmm. you're wearing that when everyone is asleep, that's my time to just enjoy what I want to enjoy, go through social media and different things. And I noticed that there's, I don't know if it's a phenomenon, but there's something, I was reading an article where a lot of women are now staying up a lot later or mm -hmm. maybe just people in general. I just, being a woman, I noticed that it said woman, <laughs> but there could be a male um, equivalent where it's just, because there's so much going on, it's like a decompression almost during that time. And I don't know. I mean, I was a, a night owl before I had my daughter. And now I feel that kind of same feeling again, where I'm like staying up late, hanging out, whatever. And I don't know if there's a way to kind of dial that back. Cause I am tired of staying up till three o'clock in the morning. I mm -hmm. feel like my mornings are definitely suffering from it. Cause it takes me forever to get out of bed now, but mm -hmm. So you definitely don't uh, so want to burn out. Like I, mm -hmm. I stay on my entrepreneurs and my individuals in corporate America. I'm like, look, you need to cut it off. Like 10 o'clock, whatever doesn't get done, it doesn't get done. Like you need to make sure on your to-do list, whatever is like for sure needs to get done. That's what you work on. Anything else that can wait, it just has to wait because you're no good if you're tired. At some point, your brain is going to be foggy. You're not doing what you need to do at 100%. So what's the point of doing it? So there that's when we get in writer's block. All of a sudden, we don't know what we want to do in life anymore. Oh, I can't, you know, just simple decisions. We arguing with our spouse over, you cooked the wrong type of rice. I want it long grain, not medium grain. I'm like, ma'am, what, what are you talking about? 
Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, the dishes are our, are, is our um, thing. Cause I'm like, look, I cooked three meals a day. Sorry that the dishes weren't done when you got home. Like it's the, you know, it, and also I do try to trade it off with my daughter and I'll count on her to do it. And next thing you know, I'm like, I'm happy she's interacting with her friends on FaceTime or cousins mainly and don't really want to interrupt that time either because they don't have any other social time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, speaking of that, speaking of what's all the stuff that's going on, I think there's so many people right now who don't really know how to move forward maybe with um, people who I'm trying to say, how do I word this politically correct? How to engage with maybe for those of us who are now at work today or at places where they now have to deal with all the trauma that's happened this past couple of weeks, and at least in the black community. And I think um, what's happened in Minneapolis has kind of affected everyone, not just the black community, but it's affected us more. And so we're now having to go to work or go places and act normal, put on that mask that everything's not bothering us, but they're very bothered and mm -hmm. they can't just take a day off for being black, you know? So, I mean, otherwise, when would we ever go to work? Right. But I'm curious if there's anything that you could suggest for those of us who are having or feeling the heaviness of what's going on and feeling the pressure of what can I do? Everything is out of my control and we're not really the ones that are in control that can change systematically what's happening unless we go out and vote. Um, but that's not mm -hmm. something that's going to be really in effect until November or who knows, maybe four more years. But what can you suggest mm -hmm. for people to just kind of figure out how to have those conversations possibly at work, if they should even have those conversations at work or if they're um, or at school, even for college kids that may be now in roommate situations that they're not they're not the most comfortable and are not necessarily on the same age. So first with that, you have to do a self-assessment. Mm -hmm. I am a very vocal person. Um, I'm very strong about my emotions and my point of views on things, but I'm also knowledgeable that I have to be respectful of others. So I don't get into conversations where I know that Dr. Zachary will turn into Tiffany. It's two different people. <laughs> no, I have so I do the same thing. I use my full government name when I'm about to go angry. Because I so, like I have to I go had this conversation with someone it. today mm -hmm. who overheard some people talking about things about African Americans and things about Trump and it made her uncomfortable. And I said, Well, one, you need to be keen on your policies and procedures at work. It's in it on a university level. Like know your rights. Don't sit anywhere that you're uncomfortable. Like, don't ever feel like, oh, I can lose my job. I don't want to go speak to my boss. Win a new day. Um, so you have to be happy and comfortable. So if you're somewhere where you can't speak out, what's the point of being there? What's the point of feeling like you're not wanted or feeling like, you know, individuals are afraid of you or whatever the case may be? What is the point of that? So you have to do some self-assessment. Like, that's all it boils down to. And a lot of people say, well, you know, that's easier said than done. No, it's pretty easy. Like, you, I would leave. Like, there's no way, especially with having a daughter, that I'm going to be somewhere that can potentially put me in trouble. Right. Legally or any kind of way like that. So I'm going to speak to who I need to speak to. And, of course, they may not like it. It may be like, oh, you're being hostile, this, that, and a third. That's fine. That's why they have documentation. And you mm -hmm. move accordingly. It's just that simple. Don't let anyone make you feel uncomfortable in your own space. Like, that's that's not that's not what we're doing. Yeah. I love that. Now, what, how would you suggest even once they find out it's okay to like maybe address someone or maybe it's even somebody within their own circle? Because mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've seen all lives matter or what, the looting or like they're focusing on the wrong part of what's going on and not even realizing that a lot of that looting isn't necessarily the protesters that are doing it, it's just people taking advantage of the situation or people who don't even care about the cause at all. They're just wanting free stuff to put on eBay. Mm -hmm. um, so like, how would you suggest even opening up that conversation, having that communication open, like even knowing if this person is gonna be receptive to what you're saying or if it's even worth dealing with them? Cause 
sometimes I have a zero tolerance policy. Mm -hmm. Once I see who you are, I don't see the point in us having any further conversations. You're blocked. You're I'm unfollowing you or whatever it may be. And that's the thing going back to self-assessing. What's the point? First, you got to step back and ask yourself, why would I even engage in this conversation? Every conversation is not for you. I understand that you feel strongly about something. But again, you have to realize we have families, we have careers, we have businesses. There's certain things that you can and cannot be a part of right. on certain levels. Again, you have to know yourself. I am not going to say something where I know I will go zero to 100 like in like 0.2 seconds. I'm not. It's, it's not. I will just walk away. That recently happened to me because, of course, in the African-American community, we all have different viewpoints about what's going on. Mm -hmm. But it's not my job to convince you of why I feel the way I feel. I feel the way I feel. And that's it. So you delete who you need to delete. Like you said, Camille, I see who you are and you move accordingly. Stop making it complicated. Mm -hmm. Like I, you're you're an adult. You don't have to talk to anybody you don't want to talk to. I had somebody ask me last week why do you have on a mask right because you yeah. feel like this doesn't you know isn't real or this is a hoax that's your opinion i don't have to tell you about my underlying health conditions i don't have to tell you i have a toddler at home i don't have to tell you i have individuals who have died from this or who are currently being quarantined that's not your business mm -hmm. so what i'm going to do is continue walking to the bathroom like i was doing because that conversation will go left really quickly because there then again this is a different race asking me a question about why i have on something it doesn't matter what i have on my face why does it bother you but I know me. So I didn't engage. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part. Knowing when to engage and when to not engage, if it's worth it or not. If you, And that's the thing right there. Now, um, I, I'm, a, I'm involved in a lot of different groups on Facebook. And I've seen a common thread where people who, even LL Cool J brought it up, where he was curious, what's it like now in biracial family homes is the term mm -hmm. used. And I am, um, my partner is white. And so mm -hmm. it's a conversation that even because I live in a predominantly white neighborhood, predominantly white um, town, like it's different. Like I grew up very liberal minded and very, um, like I grew up in Europe even. So it's like, there wasn't racism there like there is here in the, mm -hmm. I live in the South, like yourself. And it's one of those things where I just feel like I'm constantly the microaggressions, the different things, and then trying mm -hmm. to find how much of this affects me on a daily basis and having those conversations with my partner. A lot of times he's completely receptive. He gets it. But there's times that he doesn't like he doesn't understand mm -hmm. why it hurts so much when it's not someone I'm related to. And it's one of those things I feel like because the black community, we are so much of a family where we refer to people as cousins, even though we're not at all related, that when it happens to one, it happens to all. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling because we're like, we could be related. We, we got mixed up mm -hmm. so much. We don't know who we're related to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, could be from my tribe, could be from my country, could be my cousin. We don't really right. know. So there's also that where we kind of, I don't know, but needless mm -hmm. to say, it's come up. And I think not only for um, people like myself who are married to white spouses, but maybe for people who are white, who are married to black spouses that want to know how they can be of comfort or what they can do to um, make sure those communicate, like they're listening and they're hearing and they're getting the information that a we want to say to them and also that they're receiving it. Do you have any advice for that as well? That is a difficult question to answer because every household is different right. some individuals don't have these issues because you know my spouse may be caucasian but he grew up around african-american so he's very keen on our culture and every african-american community is not the same just sure. because we're both black doesn't mean we think the same or you know we feel the same way so that is a difficult question i've been in a lot of groups and they've had this conversation and it could be two-sided just because, you know, it's the whole light skin, dark skin thing. <laughs> it's all kind of different ways we can look at this. So the, the only thing I can say, make sure the people in your life, no matter what their culture is, race, gender, make sure that y'all have an open line of communication. If you don't have that in your relationship of, of any nature, what's the point? Mm -hmm. Going back to the work environment, what is the point of being in it? 
if I can't have an open dialogue with you. And you can't always expect people to understand how you feel, but they will respect how you feel. That's the difference. That's okay. You know, that's hard for me to say I understand how a male feels right now. I'm not a man. Mm-hmm. I'm black, but I'm not a man. So I can't say I understand that fear. Yes, when I get pulled over, do I feel differently? Yes, I do. But as a black man, I can understand vicariously you're traumatized. Mm-hmm. So you have to just make sure you have those open line of communications and make sure that respect is known. Right. Don't don't and a lot of people say, well, it's understood, not always. Because if it was understood, we wouldn't be in the situation that we are in now. Amen to that. Now, um, you mentioned something that made me think of this, and now I I just lost it because I was thinking about how with so many different things going on, whether it's racially, culturally, or so on, but even with the colorism, that's what Mm -hmm. it was, colorism. Because that's also one of those hot topic words that comes up a lot. Mm -hmm. How do you... I never know how to approach this conversation. Some people, like my mom brings this up to me all the time, that because I was brought up in Europe and moved here, and like the basis I lived on was predominantly biracial because a lot of the military men that would meet their spouses abroad, so a lot, or military women in that same token. So I always kind of considered myself dark-skinned until I moved to America and realized (laughs) I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I, um, I went to HBCU and they told me because I went to predominantly white schools, even in high school for the most part, or it didn't come up because mm-hmm. it didn't come up. So I never had to identify one way or the other. And it's interesting what happened to me. I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only one, but maybe I am, where somebody had to tell me that I wasn't. And then I was like, mm-hmm. just, but I still sometimes feel that way that people don't realize that even though I do see that my darker skin sisters and guys, they're definitely treated worse than I am. Even I have that privilege of not being as dark or, and even being, I guess, the more comfortable black person because I sound or act or certain way, but don't get it twisted. I I love hip hop very much. And (laughs) my parents were in the um, Freedom Riders and Black Panthers. So, you know, don't get it twisted. (laughs) Don't let the way I sound or act around you think I'm not about, Right. I'm a military kid over here, so I'm about that business. But at the same token, I think it's important that I I help with that communication there because there's a lot of pain there. I remember hearing for one of my good girlfriends who I love dearly, but it hurt me so much to my core when she said it, that when we were both at dating age and um, we were out one night and she made a point of saying, oh, the only reason guys are attracted to you is because you're light skin and it takes mm-hmm. a kind of brother to be attracted to me. And I was like, what? So, I, and at the time, darks girls were in, which is not saying they shouldn't mm-hmm. always be in, but it was at that time I was like, I can't get a date with a black guy if I begged for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Times have changed and that was a different time. But needless to say, I feel like we need to bridge that too before we can really, this healing has to start somewhere. And I think with mm-hmm. that, what can us as women or men help kind of bridge that as well? If you have any advice or just, um, I guess, helping with that trauma and getting over it because it was something that started in slavery and we're still within our community keeping it going and it that needs to stop when it comes to what you've experienced that's hard for me to say how you get over that i remember being called in a nigger when i was in eighth grade for the first time like where i'm from the kkk <laughs> ride around fully clothed yeah. and there's nothing you could do about it um mm-hmm. legally uh, so mm-hmm. for for someone to come and tell me, get over it, because I got the light skin thing, too. Depending on what part of the South I'm in, I'm considered light skin. Um, I have an accent. Oh, you from Louisiana, those type of things. Um, at this point in my life, I let it roll off my back because I've heard it so much. But some people aren't able to do that. That education starts at home. Brown is brown. White is white. There's no light skin, dark skin. That starts at home. I, in my family went through the light skin, dark skin with my deceased grandmother. Um, It hurt me dearly that she made a difference with me and my little cousins, but it was clear as day why there was a difference. And it wasn't until my aunt brought it to attention. I remember sitting on the porch one day crying. I was like, why Mm -hmm. she don't like me? Like, what? What's wrong with me? And my mom is lighter skinned than me. 
and my mom's mm-hmm. mom is way lighter skin with green eyes so it's okay. yeah so in our households it starts there yeah. like i can't expect to go out in a community and say what they shouldn't shouldn't be doing when you're experiencing it at home and it's mm-hmm. very prevalent in louisiana because we have mulattas and all you know different i was born in louisiana <laughs> what right. part of louisiana so, are you in because i was born there funny enough southwest i'm in uh, lafayette right now okay i was born in shreveport yeah, so you were further north, like around the Grand and Monroe area. Yeah, so it's, Air Force Brad. <laughs> yeah, so like, and and don't get into the texture of the hair. Like I'm light skinned mm-hmm. but my hair texture is four C. You know, so mm-hmm. and my dad was dark skinned My little girl's daddy is dark skinned and when I saw, and he's from New Orleans, so I went to New Orleans. That was a whole nother conversation. It was like you're not from here. So I didn't even feel black. I feel like like a foreign. I'm like, wait, I'm from here. So it starts at home. Like I should always feel black no matter where I go. But that's not how how you feel sometimes, depending on what part of the earth you're in. That's just it that's just what it boils down to. Teaching our children that color is color and that we put meaning to color just like we put meaning to a dollar. A dollar is nothing but a piece of paper with ink on it. But we put value on a dollar. That's, I love everything you're saying. I could ask you a million questions just for that reason. Because <laughs> I, I know with my daughter, I thought it was very important. And it may be just from my experience, because I, I've been in a lot of predominantly white schools. It doesn't matter if you're biracial, light skin, mm-hmm. dark skin. It's all they, people. From what I saw, they, we were all treated the same in that sense. You just weren't white. That's all mm-hmm. that matters. Right. And um, I remember even with my own child that I made a point of, of course you're half mommy, half daddy, but Mm -hmm. you're black. Like just like not mixing fences with it because there, she was four years old and we were on a play date with her, with um, a, a white mom and her daughter. And it was like a story time at a library and the little girl was in her stroller with her baby doll, American girl doll, little baby doll, whatever. Mm-hmm. And my daughter, three or four years old, was like, oh, she's pretty and wanted to play with her. And these and they had had play dates like she had been to my house like we had mm-hmm. her friends. And then she made a point of saying, oh, yeah, yeah. But my 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 baby can only play with white mommies, not black mommies or black, mm-hmm. like something to that effect. And I was like, oh. Okay, I know you. I don't, and I like. I had to go like immediately. Mm-hmm. I didn't know in that moment whether or not she was raised already, like in the home. They were saying stuff like that, or if it just happened to be that she was just picking at straws. Like you know, we teach colors before we teach mm-hmm. the alphabet, type of thing. and because they were both very young. And needless you, to say, you know that baby was taught that at home. The girl, that was the last like, time I saw gorgeous. her. That was the last play date. And I was like, okay, <laughs> this is what we're doing in the South. Got it. We can hang that out. Baby Truly. That at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was shocked at that. And it made a point of me just being a little bit more aware of who I allow in my circle. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to be your token friend. If I'm the only black friend you have, then we're not friends. We're But associated. you also have that in our community. I know mm-hmm. individuals who can't bring a darker skin individual mm-hmm. home. Like you cannot bring a dark skin woman or man in my house. Oof. Like we have to preserve our lighter skin. Like this is in 2020. That's so it's not just, crazy. you know, Caucasians doing this to us. It's our mm-hmm. own community. Yeah. And I'm wondering how we can move past that. Cause I mean, it made sense thing. back in the day when it was a slavery district, you know, like right. want to stay safer for your family. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, why are we still doing this within our community? You should be able to love whoever you want to love and marry who you want to love, regardless, say, sex, race, gender, religion, whatever it is, because life's too short to be married to someone just because they fit the boxes that your parents want for you. But it's all about being superior to one another. That it, that's all it boils down to. I'm light skinned, so I'm better than you. My hair is, you know, flow your flow. It flows better than yours. Or my mom's a doctor, and your mom got a GD. It all boils down to status and being superior. But then again, we as human beings put that weight on ourselves. Like I said, just about a dollar. A hundred dollars don't mean nothing to me. I could burn it, but to you, it means everything. I'm like, this is a piece of paper. What you crying about? Oh, no, it's $100. No, you were taught it's $100. That's why we're trapped when it comes to investing and buying real estate and things like that, because we're so invested on a dollar. 
mm-hmm. you don't know the other forms of being wealthy. So now you're learning as an adult, you, you need seven, at least seven streams to stay afloat in America. It's like, what are you talking about? You're 30 years old and you're just learning it. It's a mindset. It starts at home. So what are some of the things that you suggest people who maybe have been through some of that trauma, like how they can rebuild their self-esteem and not feel trapped into that same broken cycle of I'm only going to try to stay within light skin or what um, I remember the term was color struck mm-hmm. where you would always see light skin women with dark skin men to make up for the fact that their mm-hmm. parents didn't prove much like maybe some white girls who would date black men just to get back at their parents like that mm-hmm. same thing and I was just like wow different race same thing what how do you I mean I guess that some of it has to be self-assessment you have to know that within yourself but maybe someone can have that conversation like hey have you noticed that maybe do you have any suggestions for that or even, go to even therapy come see me come see, come sit <laughs> yeah. down in my office and we can talk about it all day find yeah. you a therapist go back to your religion your spirituality go back to your roots of where you find comfort because every sense of self-care um healing everyone is not the same Right. But I, you know, I'm a bit big advocate for therapy, even before I became a therapist, because I've seen what it's done within my family, even just with my mom. So if therapy is not to you, talk to a pastor, talk to someone who is that you feel that you can trust and that has knowledge and that is not biased. Mm-hmm. Just because someone is older than you doesn't mean they're wiser than you. So you have to make sure that the people around you will cultivate you and not be afraid to let you know when, okay, your thought processes are not right. You need to change some things. It has to be someone where you can take that criticism from and not take it personally. So if you don't have that in your circle, you need to go out there and find it. And that's why I say to my college students, make sure they have that one person. Like Dr. Zachary was that person for a lot of students because I made sure that they knew no matter what it is, you can come and talk to me. I came to this school. I graduated from this school. So I already know what you're what you're going through. I get it. It's mm. fine. I'll go walk to that professor's office with you. You don't have to call your mama. Now, so until you have individuals like that in every arena, it, it's going to be difficult. Because people are scared to talk. People are scared to speak up. Yeah, it's political correctness at its worst. Now... Speaking of that, how do you suggest people go about finding a therapist? Like, what would you suggest is because you've been on both sides of it. What should they look for in a therapist to make sure it's a good fit? Because they don't, I mean, don't really get to do consultations sometimes to kind of make sure the. the so you should do a consultation. Oh, you can. Okay. Look. <laughs> Learning something new there, consultation. Because I'm like, I don't want to pay a copay every time I'm like, uh, this isn't a good fit. <laughs> like, And look, you know what's crazy? Yeah. A lot of my clients are older than me. Like, I'll be 35 in August. I have some clients in their 50s. I have some Caucasian clients. I have a lot of male clients. You... I'll tell you, do your research. My clients will tell me, I researched you. I went to your website. I went to your psychology today. I went to therapy for black girls. I oh, wait, wait, wait. Psychology today. You're psychology today. Therapy for black girls. They're all kind of different platforms where you can find therapists based on your insurance, uh, your zip code. They And now we're all doing virtual. So you're not, if you're in Baton Rouge, you definitely can call me. You don't have to worry about, oh, I got to drive an hour to see Dr. Zachary, which I have clients from Baton Rouge that would drive to see me because they're like, I don't have that where I am. But because I'm a therapist that promotes myself, there are a lot of black therapists, but a lot of them are not big on marketing and promoting themselves. So you have to do the research. Don't just call the first person who give you an appointment and go to the appointment. Take the time and ask them, will you do a consultation with me? And even if they say, yes, I'll charge or I'll give you 10 or 15 minutes, know the questions that you need to ask. Make sure that person is keen on what you're going through because every counselor is not keen on a lot of things. You may give me what the book says, but I need you to be able to relate to me. Like when I've, I've been to, through therapy since graduate school due to different things in my life. And my therapist now, I wanted a black woman. Mm-hmm. I've never had a black therapist before. I said, I need someone that can relate to me as a single mom, as an entrepreneur that has crossed that threshold of income that can understand what I'm going through. So you got to know what you need. Don't just be picking up the phone all willy-nilly. This ain't pizza. Like, this is your <laughs> life. And you got to make sure that person can speak to you and you will be open to that. I tell all my clients, are you sure you want to be my client? 
because it's not gonna always be what you want to hear and you can feel how you want to feel about it like i'm here to make sure that you excel in life once you tell me what you want to get from me i'm giving it to you and that's what we're going with we're not changing up. i don't know i think you just sold me on you being my therapist <laughs> <laughs> i'm like oh i love everything she's saying i love that just because i, I mean, gotta make sure that yeah somebody because and people would be blown mm -hmm. away like i have you know heterosexual homosexual clients um like i said my caucasian clients they come to me because they there's like it's something in you that i need it's mm -hmm. not because i'm vocal and you know i have this this funny personality there was like it's something that i read about you in your profile that maybe they that they can go to and say you know what i went through that so i know you can help me like when mm -hmm. it comes to family mental illness addictions my brother was murdered um i had a spouse try to kill me i'm the first female entrepreneur in my family there's a lot of different dynamics of me so don't just go to a therapist because oh they know how to read a book and they understand and pass the test i need mm -hmm. you to know what i've been through and say you know what i really do empathize with you because i went through it too that's why I chose my therapist. So it, wow. it, you can go about it however you want, but just be mindful of your time because that's time and money wasted. And people will say, well, I'm going to go to a session and try it out. You don't have to do that. Do a consultation. You know, within the first 10 or 15 minutes, if somebody is for you, just like when you see a guy, you're like, nah, I'm good on that. Um, yeah, we won't be going out anymore. It was nice meeting you. <laughs> so it's the same thing. <laughs> no, I think it's great because... So many people may not have access or their home may not be a safe place for them to oh, get. Yeah. Like you said so many times before, it starts at home. It starts at home. Well, if the home is the toxic place, where can they go from right. there? And so just, I mean, I guess in, in essence, trying to break that cycle of not being that same, continuing that damage to their child or the people around them, this is where a therapist can come in and finding that therapist that will fit and know your needs. Because mm -hmm. sometimes you may not even know why you're doing what you're doing it has something to do with the way back then. And I think that's a big part of therapy is that mm -hmm. they help uncover what's the root to the problem and also how to fix that. So it, you don't keep continuing it. And I wanted to touch on a few things because I want to be mindful because I know you do have a doctor's point. And I, I wanted to answer Miss Olivia's yeah. question. Okay. Olivia asked, do you think everyone should have a therapist? Miss Olivia, I think people should do what's best for them. Therapy is not for everybody. Some people are more spiritually based. Some people are more earthly based. Do whatever is best for you. I'm just an advocate for therapy because I've seen what is done. But you have to have a therapy therapist that can invoke change in you. Don't just go to therapy just to vent one time and then it's done. No, therapy is work. It is work like you can commit at least a year to therapy to make sure that, you know, I got all my tied, my ends tied up. Now I'm ready to go. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not no long term relationship. If you still go on to therapy for five, six years, maybe you and your therapist need to reevaluate some things. Maybe you need a new therapist. There's all kind of different dynamics of that. So, no, I don't think everybody should have a therapist. Just do what works for you. Okay. So they'll do the consultation. They figure out, oh, this person works for me. What can they expect in a therapy session? Like how they, how should they, for those that might be, this is their first time going, what should they come prepared with? I, I, <laughs> I can't answer for every therapist. Because yeah. yeah but only from your point of view. Therapy. Yeah. In my no. Office, you yeah. What would you ideally like? And I will go over everything single paper that you sign i want you to know what you sign and what you committed to my practice policies all of that and then i'm going to do a formal assessment of your history and your current issues and then we go from there my office is pretty much conversational of course i'm going to talk to you clinically when i need to i'm going to explain things to you your diagnosis and things of that nature but i like it to be a conversational feeling because I don't want to be bored. That's an hour. I, I'm human. I don't want to be bored. So I like to like, we can joke, we could talk. Like my clients tell me everything. So I want it to be like that in my office. Now, some therapists are a little bit more formal. You know, they may have you lay on the couch. I don't know what they're doing, but I got my diffuser on. She drinking what she drinking. I'm drinking my water and we just going with it. So I like to have a good time. I want when my my clients come because they are, like I said, entrepreneurs, college students, corporate America. I want that to be time for them. Mm -hmm. I want them to just relax. I don't want them to feel like they got to come in here with a notepad and a pen. No, just relax and let's just talk. I got the rest. I had a girlfriend that the way she described therapy, I thought was beautiful. She was like, it's like a spa for your brain. <laughs> 
where you just can like get it massaged, mm -hmm. like, you know, you come out and you have new tools to arm you against whatever may come your way. And just also getting that opportunity to cleanse whatever mm -hmm. the acne or whatever that's in your brain, getting that out. So. And when you find the right person, that's what it's like. I got clients, they'll switch a job and they like, look, I got therapy. If y'all can't work on my schedule, I'm not taking this job. Like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, <then there's> that. <laughs> it's important. I think, you know, so many people, there's so much negative connotation towards taking care of your mental health. And I don't know why, because it's, that starts I, at home. Well, I mean, the only that, reason I'm like, cognizant on yeah. it is because my mom went through therapy. My mom has mental health issues. Okay. So therapy has always been a part of my life. Just like going to the OBGYN is no different. But if you're in a household where you're taught not to talk about your problems, are you seen mm -hmm. less than? Of course, therapy is going to be stigmatized. Of course, you're going to feel like something is wrong with you when I say you're clinically depressed. Until I tell you, well, shit, I had depression too. We ain't no different. Right. Well, not any different. It's just that I learned how to cope and, and go through my life. And that's what you need to do. Stop comparing yourself to other people and do what works best for you. So, again, all of that starts at home. If it's not a common conversation in your living room, how in the hell you expect these kids to go to school and have those conversations? It's not happening. Very good point. A very good point. Now, since so many people are stuck home, whether... Um, they're able to go back to work or maybe they're still stuck at home because they can't yet. Mm -hmm. What I know that in your bio, you made a point of saying that a lot of being stuck at home and they're saying this a lot, even in the news that being stuck can lead to more deaths than COVID in the sense of a higher risk of depression, the higher risk of addiction, the higher instances of abuse mm -hmm. and so on. And what can we what what are your thoughts about that? What can we do to kind of help that not happen, I guess? Or what um, what advice do you have about it? First, you need to be keen on any diagnosis that you've already had. Make sure you're medication compliant. If your medicine is not working, get in touch with your doctor and let them know. Again, make sure you have time in your schedule for yourself. Like, it's just that simple. Like, I'm a single mother. My daughter is two going on 30. <laughs> sometimes I don't know whether I'm going to come in and I'm a therapist and I have support, but it's just like, sometimes I'm just like, you know what? I need a vacation, but I can't take a vacation right now. So I got to make sure that Dr. Zachary has time for herself. I make sure I take a lunch break and I make sure I have another break throughout the day. Do I have shit that needs to get done? Yes, I do. If it ain't about money, it can wait. If it's not affecting me, submit my claims and get my check at the end of the week. It can wait. So make sure you got time for yourself. Relax. Talk to your spouse. Make sure that, you know, you may have to change the dynamic of chores or, you know, the workload on yourself because he may be, you know, furloughed or something like that. Just have some conversations and ask for help if you need to. You know, don't say, well, oh, my child's daycare is closed. OK, well, they got some people. I paid somebody to come in the home for two weeks because I had been home with London for two months. And let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wouldn't I wasn't all right. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna have to put fear aside. I did my research, found a young lady I trusted until my daughter's daycare opened back up. Did I want to do that? Absolutely not. But I had to do and then we had some conversations when she came in about COVID. You know, she changed her clothes, took her shoes off when she came inside to make sure that my daughter was safe. So you just gotta get creative with it. Okay. I love that. Now for, I'm just going to make sure I haven't missed any, um, questions. Hey, Brian. Hey, Robin. Hey, Lexis. Hey, Camelia. <laughs> now, um, speaking of children, I mm -hmm. think for parents, maybe we may be unaware of some of the signs because it's so different in children than it is in adults, the ways they show their anxiety or depression or different things. Mm -hmm. Is there any, tips you can give for parents as far as like opening up that conversation with their kids to make sure they're okay mm -hmm. beyond just saying, Hey, how are you feeling today? Type of thing. And also is there signs that we should be looking for that maybe that shows that they're not okay and that they might be um, doing that's that we could start paying attention to as well mm -hmm. for different ages, I mean, not necessarily three, but for the older kids, even middle school or higher, maybe, or even elementary school. I'm not really mm -hmm. sure. So uh, this goes back to assessing and your parenting. Every parent is different. You mm -hmm. know, your child, you know, if something is off and it's not your job to try to figure it out. 
your job is to just try to get just a brief synopsis. If you know, if they say, you know what, mom, I don't feel like talking, then you know something has happened. And mm-hmm. then you could say, well, baby, if you don't want to talk to me, is there someone I can call? What is something that we ask them? What can you do instead of imposing yourself on them? I tell mm-hmm. my clients that all the time when but that's how you make conflict and confrontation, because you coming in here asking me, well, what's wrong with you? Don't ask me that. Don't ask mm-hmm. me that. Because you already know something wrong with me. Now you're pissing me off. <laughs> like, oh, like, yeah. they, they, if your husband came in knowing you didn't work till three this morning you struggling to get up and well what's wrong with you now you know now Camille about to come unravel you know what's wrong with her right like, Don't <laughs> ask me what's wrong with me ask me you know can I help you with something like what can I do to lighten your load I see you feeling different it's all about how you present a situation through conversation it's all about your choice of words now some children are younger and, and they're not able to do that so that you make sure that if you know someone in a family that they do open up to, have that person come in and talk to them. Because it may not always be you. And don't be upset if it's not you. Right. Then if it's not you, you need to sit down within yourself as a parent and then identify why you don't have that relationship with your child. Don't put that pressure on your child. That falls on you as the parent. Yeah. So it all it, it, it falls back to accountability and us using our words in the right way. Because teenagers are very defensive. You say one word wrong, they didn't shut down the whole summer. They don't want to talk to you. But then they'll come to me and talk all day. Right. But that's because, and then you can't, you have to be consistent. I would never change from the time you meet me until two years from now. You're going to say, I've never changed. And I'm like that with my daughter. I don't change. If you keep changing with a child, they're not going to know like what to do. It's like you say, oh, I'm going to whip you. I'm going to whip you. I'm going to put you on punishment. I'm going to put you. Okay, mama. Yeah, you're going to put me on punishment. No, you're not. They don't take you seriously. So if you have some issues with that, take some parenting classes. Ask somebody in your family. Ask a friend. Ask your spouse. Somebody to help you with your child. Okay. Thank you for that. That's some more great advice from Dr. <laughs> Fifteen. I just want to make sure if there's anyone that had any more questions because she, we're almost at the end of our time and I don't want anybody to feel ignored. And I, I feel like and I'm- if anybody out there is feeling overwhelmed, you're not by yourself. I'm overwhelmed too. So don't feel like something is wrong with you because all of a sudden you can't juggle everything. It's like we're constrained to you know, our four walls. So that in itself, I can't take my vacation. So it's like what do I do now? So don't feel like you're by yourself because you're not. No, not at all. We're, I mean, it's a global pandemic. We're all going mm-hmm. through this together. And I do think as much as you can reach out to your people. So you guys can communicate with each other and stay in contact as much as possible. It really helps yeah. as well. Just because, you know, just letting them know you're thinking about them sometimes can make all the difference. Like doing something simple. Have a Zoom game night with your kids. Do something. Like it don't have to be come in the house, do your homework, take a nap, watch TV, play video games. No, switch up your household. It falls back on you. Talk talk about it. Get on Pinterest. They give you all kind of ideas. Google it. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of that, uh, where can everyone find you or reach out to you or if they want, like, even if they decide they, because now with Telemed, I don't know if it works across um, state lines. So with, even. um, it depends on the state. So I'm licensed in Texas and Louisiana, um, okay. but other states are allowing therapists to come in and do therapy, but I only do it for Texas and Louisiana. And you can find me on my website at drtiffanyzachary.com. I'm on social media, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at drtiffanyzachary.com. My apologies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you are, if you're not sure about a therapist, don't hesitate to contact me. You can ask me any questions that you may have. Any way I can guide you, I will. So if I can't be your therapist, I can help you find one. Now I got to move to Texas or Louisiana. Calling me from California. I had a college mm-hmm. student call me from Florida. She heard me on my, I used to do a podcast. Oh, it sucks, but it's because every Social work board is different. So we have to go by, you know, our governing board. So and for a therapist to be licensed in several states, there's fees for several states. So they have some therapists, though, that are licensed in three, four or five states. And they also have websites like better. I think it's betterhelp.com. 
they do like the text messaging or emailing um therapy so they have those type of platforms as well if you have a job where you can't sit for an hour and do face to face okay so much great information i'm trying to think if there's anything else we need to cover because you had so many different things on your list that were interesting and then just from hearing you talk i wanted to make sure we covered it because i i mean oh grief that's what we didn't cover okay grief. Yeah really quickly since we're running out of time grief. i recently my dad passed away it'll be six years in september um unexpectedly from a massive heart attack if you know me you know i'm a daddy's girl like oh my god um and i last week i was driving and grief hit me out of the blue I, it was before Memorial Day weekend. And um, I thought about my dad because we spent a lot of time together for the holidays. And my dad was that person. He was the part. He was the party. So um, I called my person and I talked about it. And then I called my mom and I cried. I allowed myself to grieve. Grieving does not have an expiration date. And don't feel like, oh, I went through the stages of grief and now I'm back here. It's a revolving door. Like, especially if that was someone that you love dearly and that was your person or they had a great impact on your life. Even if it's not a family member, it may be someone out in the community. Mm -hmm. Give yourself time to grieve. It's okay to cry. I tell people all the time, that's your body exerting what it needs to exert. So you're not anxious. So you're not depressed. So if you need to cry, go drink some tea, call your person, go into your prayer closet, whatever you need to do. Just allow, allow yourself that time. So I gave myself like an hour before my session to just be just reminisced about my dad and just i was just being i didn't want to do anything so just be you don't have to have an agenda for grief just be so timely because so many people whether it's through COVID 19 or just i mean people are i mean people still die regardless of whether mm -hmm. it's related to COVID or not and it's one of those things that it's just part of life you're gonna and it's more difficult now because we can't go to funerals. We got to do the mm -hmm. Facebook Live or the funerals. So that's a different dynamic. So make sure that you, I tell everybody, have one person. Everybody needs somebody. God put us here for a reason. Like he didn't put you here just on earth by yourself. He put us here collectively. We all need somebody. Adam even need, needed Eve. We, you need one person. And if it's not in your family, find someone in your community, a therapist, a pastor, somebody that can be your person. Okay. Such great information. Now, I just want to one. Last, I'm going to put in the comments you all your contact information, and during that time, you can just share anything else you would like to share while I pull that up. Um, anybody have any questions? I thank everybody for joining us. Thank you so much, Miss Camille, Alexis, Jamelia, Brian, Robin, Nicole. Um, I don't know if I missed some people. Thank y'all for tuning in, uh, Darrell. And like I said, if y'all have any questions outside of this, y'all can contact me. I know I, I can't remember all the different platforms, but there's others outside of BetterHelp um, that you can utilize if you um, don't have the time to do face-to-face -face counseling. Mm -hmm. And I still can't get over how young you look and how, and it's even in the comments, how someone's like, for someone so young, you're so wise. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I've been through a lot. I've been through life. And I think that's why I attract a lot of older clients because mm -hmm. I speak about it. But I took the time to heal through, mm -hmm. throughout different areas in my life. I, that's the one thing I want to leave you with. You always have to self-assess throughout your life because you will change. Camille is not the same that she was at 20, as she was at 15, after you had children, after you got married, after you moved. So you have to always reassess where you are, who you are, your likes, your dislikes, all of those things for you to know what you can and cannot cope with. If you continue to go through life with that mindset of no change, what do you expect to change? Right. So I always make sure that I'm self-reflecting and that I, I have individuals in my life that are not afraid to call me on things that may need to be changed. So. Well, again, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. I just want to make sure I shout out all your different sites. So we have Dr. Tiffany, drtiffanyzachary.com. We have um, Coach Tiffany Zachary for Facebook that popped up. And then Dr. Tiffany Zachary for Instagram. They're mm -hmm. all in the comments. You can copy and paste to go check her out there. And um, I'll look up those other websites and put them in the links or in the comments later just to make sure I have them right. The betterhealth.com. Uh, so it's BetterHelp. H-E-L. Oh, BetterHelp. Oh, okay. Yeah, better so, help. Yeah. 
Go ahead and put that in the comments. And thank you so much for this platform and this opportunity. Um, I think it's good that, you know, our African-American and other my other minority races are stepping up to the plate who are in a helping profession to let, you know, everyone in our communities know they're not alone. So um, thank you so much for this. Oh, it was my pleasure. When um, what as your publicist reached out to me about having you, I was just looking for a therapist to have on my show because I just felt like with everything going on, I, I, I would be, it would be really tone deaf of me to not address it and mm -hmm. also have someone who could actually help with it. Because what's the point of me talking about it without having a follow-up or a call to action right. that they could follow up on to really help themselves to just have a one-hour show? That's not really going to fix anything, but it can open mm -hmm. the conversations to go find ways to fix everything. And so when she sent me your thing and I saw, uh, 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 yep, she said, <laughs> everything I'm looking for. And without all the extra, I don't know. So yeah, hoorah, all the hoorah. Yeah, like someone that wants to be, because I was like reaching out to friends that work as therapists, like who do you know that would want to be on camera about it? And so when you say everything, like already ready to be and already did a podcast, I was like, she already knows how to be <laughs> So you just like fell in my lap so perfectly. And I don't know what it is. I've had so many people from Louisiana. I think that state just really looks out for me. So mm -hmm. I'm very appreciative of you. And thank you so much oh, you're welcome. for being my guest. And you have a good rest of your week. And please take good care of yourself as well. And thank you. You too. And we'll I want you to stop going to bed back. at 3 a.m. Please get an earlier bedtime. But I'm not going to do try. that on Every your night show. I I'm try. about that later. No, I try every time, and the next thing you know, I go on Instagram and somebody's doing a live that's interesting. No. Like, no, they might not save it. It doesn't matter. I can go to no. sleep. I need to go to sleep. Put a time limit on social media. Oh, I do, which is funny. I try to see how long it takes me to get to an hour a day, and then yeah, mm -hmm. then it's all better off after that point. <laughs> <laughs> well, give your phone to your husband. Do something. You give your phone. No, no well, we're not gonna do this. We're not gonna do this. <laughs> no, he was like deleting all social media. <laughs> I'm like, you can play video games. I'm here making real connections with real people. I'm not just eating with a shark. Let me tell you this, and it, and this is my last thing. You're not gonna no, miss sure. anything. Whatever, if you're tired, get your rest. Whatever is meant for you, you're not gonna miss it. So sitting up till three a.m. and then gotta turn around and get it get up at six a.m. That's insanity. It, yeah. get rest. I'm gonna work on it. <laughs> all right, bye it's everybody. It's still my favorite part of the day. <laughs> all right, well, thank you again, Dr. Tiffany. I really appreciate you, and you have a great day. And thanks you for stopping too. by the East Spot. Bye. Bye. -bye. <sighs> what a nice conversation! I hope you got as much out of it as I did. She just—I don't know—her personality was perfect, right? Like just. Gave you just enough information with some fun and I just love talking to her and I could have talked to her all day about everything that's going on in the world and within the black community because there is so much that I think we're so used to just like not wanting to talk out loud or not through mixed company or all these different things and we got to get better by talking about it. You're only as, what's the saying, um, you're as bad as your secret, something to that effect. I'll, I'll look it up later. But anyway, I will see you guys at six o'clock. Maybe all this brain fog is from staying up too late. I won't do it tonight. I promise. Uh, see you guys at six o'clock where I will have on actor from the movie Uncorked on Netflix as much. He's done a lot of other stuff as well, but that's the most current thing that everybody was talking about. It was number one on Netflix, I think just last month for a few weeks. And it was like an independent film on that matter too. So it's a big deal that got to a point where it was able to be number one on Netflix. So I'm very excited about having him on. Preston James will be on, not Preston. I keep saying Preston, Princeton James. Princeton James, sorry. Princeton James will be on with me tonight at six o'clock. I hope you, um, you, if you're not out voting, cause today is also a voting day in like nine different states. So please get out to vote or send, make sure you have sent in your mail-in ballot, whatever way your state lets you vote, because I don't really know. Um, 
make sure you're doing that and suggesting for other people to get out to vote today because today is a voting day. June 9th is another voting day and anything we can do to make sure the changes that we're looking for, we're hiring the people that will make that change as possible. It starts on a local level. It's not just the presidential election that affects us because as we see now, it's the judges, it's the people who are in charge of the police, the sheriffs, all of those different positions that have a direct effect on our daily lives, whether it's wanting changes in our schools, who's on our school board. There's so many different things that we do have the power to change and voting is part of that. And honestly, if they, they're working so hard to keep us from voting, that it must mean something. Go out and vote, make your voices heard and come back at six o'clock, 3 p.m. Pacific time or um, I should say 5 p.m. Central time for Louisiana people. Um, and I'll have Princeton here and we'll talk to him. All right. Well, you guys, thanks again for watching and I'll see you at six.